0: Welcome to If This Bar Could Talk, a podcast about bartenders and the stories they have to tell, as well as the storied history of cocktails, spirits, and bars. I'm Blair Beavers, and here's your host, Leanne Sims.
1: So our guest tonight is not a professional bartender, but like Blair and I, he does an awful lot to support the alcohol industry. So Chad White, who is the founder of the Ohio Rum Society, thanks for being on our show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. To you both.
1: So the Ohio Rum Society, it used to be the Central Ohio Rum Society, That's and you good. changed the name because it went what way beyond Columbus? or
2: It did. It started off as about 10 friends and family that I kind of forced into it. Uh, you know, kind of force feeding them a bunch of information, and then it eventually kind of exploded uh, statewide. We're at about a uh, little over four hundred and fifty members across. Uh, oh wow, that's awesome! The entire state, yeah.
1: And how long you started in twenty sixteen? Is that right?
2: Twenty sixteen, August.
1: Wow. And so I read um, an article in Got Rum where you said that. You describe rum as the underappreciated and ridiculously misunderstood spirit. Um, What should we know and appreciate about rum?
2: Well, that there's such a vast world out there. I mean, in starting the Ohio Rum Society, the idea was to create a welcoming access point for folks that didn't realize what they're missing out on. Kind of like uh, if you if you have the same people in, in the whiskey world that just stick to bourbon or just stick to scotch, they're not familiar with the history of rye and how American that is. Uh, that's really where I wanted to get started with that, creating an access point to, you know, not necessarily try to convert people into rum drinkers and make them believers in cane spirits, but to at least appreciate... The vast diversity of it, it's produced in over 90 different countries right now. Um, America is steeped in, uh, in, in, well, excuse me, American history is steeped in rum as well. So really just wanted to create an access point to uh, start to dive deeper with more people that had no idea that rum goes beyond some of those big brands that we hear, especially in a control state, uh, Has been kind of force-fed for, for so long, especially back since the college days. Um, and when I say it's underappreciated, it's, it's exactly that. People are like, I don't do rum, and I usually ask them why, and it's, oh, it's too sweet for me, or i made a lot of bad decisions in college that were associated to, uh, with uh, cane spirits. And so really the idea is reintroducing rum to them. Rum really is a comeback kid. Uh, it goes back over 300 years at this point. It's had its ups and ups and downs, just like uh, just like tequila. I like to liken it to agave spirits as well, and so now it's having a major, if not the most significant, comeback in cane spirits history. And I really want people to at least be aware of it um, because we never know how long it's going to last. And uh, there's so many tasty cane spirits out there for people to try that invoke that holy crap! I had no idea that this existed. Uh, because most people again are prone to the Bacardis and the Captain Morgans of uh, the rum world.
1: So there are different types of rum, right? The Very call. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Like a hundred or fifty or.
2: You can I, I wouldn't. I can't necessarily put a number on it. it. It's in terms of classifications. You right now there's a big push in the rum world for folks to reintroduce a new cl- classification system into rum that's based off of production methods. Very similar uh, to my understanding of Scotch whiskey and many of the whiskeys especially come in there from the UK. But the idea is just to, so to answer your question, I look at rum in terms of the globalized spirit at this point. So, you know, you have the Agricole style which is fresh, cr- fresh pressed cane juice as opposed to the molasses based rums out there. Uh, but then when you, when you dig down into those two, you know, major categories, there's so many subcategories beneath mm-hmm. them. Um, when you look at the different uh, geographic areas, the different Caribbean islands, uh, islands off the coasts of both Africa and the Iberian peninsulas, areas of the world that nobody would have ever associated with uh, cane spirits. So uh, there are many. You know, again, cachaça is another category of its own that Brazil fought very hard to um, make it its own category. So cachaça isn't considered a rum, it's considered considered a cachaça, but it is an origin, a cane spirit, and that's just one uh, of many different um, examples out there. But when I say agricole style, I want to be very careful on that because the French uh, the French Caribbean uh, island of Martinique fought very hard to get its own AOC, its own markation of what makes French Martinique agricole special and unique from other uh, rums out there that are based uh, that are produced from a sugarcane juice based material.
1: So I, I followed you on Facebook and you often write articles about, or um, I don't know if you call them bloggish type of things about um, what is the, the, I guess the flim flammery of the label, the labeling, like the aging, so rum isn't as regulated as American whiskey, say, right? Isn't it like the wild, wild west of
2: spirits? Well, one could say that when you look at uh, when it when you have such a diverse spirit like rum, you have to classify it based on its origin. So, for example, to answer your question, yes, there are no global over-encompassing laws that regulate what what makes rum a rum. Uh, The United States and and Europe tend to have uh, very, very different laws when it comes to what can make a rum a rum. And a lot of producers down in the Caribbean are fighting to uh, put some more clarification to that. Now, the beauty of rum, with it being such a globalized spirit, just like scotch has its own regulations and rules, bourbon does, Tennessee whiskey... Irish whiskey, Canadian whiskey, they all have their own origins, their own uh, characteristics, and their own regulations and, and laws that um, that are associated with them that protect the producers, that protect the brands, that protect the, the actual um, category of of whiskey and all of its subcategories. So with rum being such a global spirit, there, is, there are um, regulations associated with Cuban rum that make it Officially a Cuban rum. Same with Jamaica. They just got it. They just established a geographic indicator, or a GI. I don't know if you guys have those in whiskey. Um, but Saint Barbados is fighting for its own GI right now, which gives an over-encompassing classification as far as what makes a Barbados rum special or unique from a Jamaican rum or from a Saint Lucian rum. Uh, so there are rules all around the world that just are associated with that particular geographic uh, origin, if you will. So, uh, French agri- French uh, Martinique Agricole AOC, um, Appellation de Contrôle. I don't speak French, so that's my best, uh, <laughs> my best go at it. That's pretty good. They are like that's a really, really good example as far as where regulations are going in terms of protecting uh, geographic origin.
0: And uh, it seems like that's more in line with how wine is done or brandy rather than whiskeys.
2: Absolutely. I, and I've, I've heard those associated many times, those associations many times between rum versus wine or rums versus whiskeys. Uh, and I haven't, you know, the rum community hasn't been able to pinpoint or put its Mm -hmm. thumb on exactly what makes those things different and what route should rum go. But I can tell you right now that the biggest voices in rum, they're trying to go more the route of whiskey. Hence the introduction and the you know the constant proposing of a new classification system which in the rum worlds it's called the gargano uh, classification system and it's based off of production as opposed to what we see today on a lot of menus if you go to a lot of tiki bars you'll see um, rums classified by color which makes us rum heads cringe Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. but you also see them classified as uh styles like spanish style versus english style versus french style of course those are the colonizing powers mm-hmm. back in the day that created uh you know the new world as we know it today so you see it classified in in usually one of those two ways and so they're trying to go the route the path down the path of whiskey uh, which to me is a very respectable one it respects history but it pre- it respects The producer of all things it actually tells a story as to what is in the bottle where it came from is it all pot still is it a blend of pot and column still is it all column still from which country because usually the more you know about these things and that's why we talk about labels a lot uh, the more you know about these things the more that you can actually figure out what's gonna what's gonna happen when you pop that bottle open and pour yourself a Glencairn
1: so today I was looking, um, just reading up on some things, and I never knew that there were three different ways to spell rum. I oh, yeah. saw R U M, R H U M, and then R O N E S. What is that?
2: So rum. Uh, that's, Span- that's the Spanish language. Uh, that's the Spanish huh. version of rum. So none. Of those aren't necessarily different styles of rum, they're just the different language, uh, the, the different ways to say rum in the different languages. So rum is French, uh, R-H-U-M is the French way, and then rum is the Spanish way. You'll see that in uh, Mexico and further south into Central and South America, and of course uh, the Iberian Peninsula.
1: And rum is literally made everywhere, like uh, Barbados, Jamaica, Martinique, Cuba. Mm -hmm.
2: So anywhere that you can grow and cultivate and harvest sugarcane, you can actually From there, you can make a rum agricole, because rum agricole is very special in that once you harvest the cane, once you press the cane, you have to start to ferment it almost immediately. Um, It has to go to the still within 24 hours, otherwise the cane juice spoils. So Hawaii is doing a lot of agricole styles. Louisiana, Florida, Hmm. Georgia are all doing a lot of agricole styles. But to answer your question, Leanne, anywhere that you can import molasses, and therefore ferment and distill it, you can make rum. So that's why you see a lot of, you're see lot you seeing a lot of great rums coming out of uh, New England right now. There's a renaissance in American rums again. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually trying to work with uh, the folks up at Cavalier to see if we can make a case with the state for some of these brands that are uh, not too far away, you know, like Ipswich, Massachusetts. We have a great distiller over in Pittsburgh with Maggie's Farm Rum. I don't know if you guys made it to that one it was our first ever at light of seven matchsticks mm-hmm. they're doing some pretty interesting things there too uh i think they're called allegheny uh distillers but uh but yeah to answer your question anywhere in the world that you can import molasses you can make rum
1: i love molasses it's a southern thing i've always had molasses my whole life like in and uh, baked beans and i oh, have yeah. a great molasses cookie recipe um how do I know when I go to the liquor store what is a good rum and what is not? So let me just throw out some names to you. and You tell sure, me if it's please. good. How about the Kraken? <laughs> the Kraken. <cracking. laughs>
2: so what we try, I try so hard to do is my wife keeps me uh, honest in these cases because we all, you guys are whiskey connoisseurs, right? And at some point you were you were drinking at some point in your lives things that you probably wouldn't want to even admit nowadays, right? Kind of like. Uh, those of us that were drinking a lot of Captain and Cokes in college, right? We didn't realize then, but we joke now and say that Captain is to rum as uh, Fireball is to the whiskey connoisseur. It kind of makes any any of us that love spirits, okay, you know, Fireball gotcha. might make us uh, cringe a little bit. But Kraken, again, I'm not here to throw shade at anybody that produces any rums out there or anybody that enjoys a, crack, a good Kraken and ginger ale. It's not you throw that on my face for free I'm not going to (laughs) necessarily throw it back in your face but uh, Kraken is um, it's basically much like a lot of the mass-produced industrialized rums out there the Krakens the Captain Morgans those are two really good examples so I'll pair those together basically what they do with those is they distill Multiple times they distill a cane spirit down so much to the point where it's almost pure, like a vodka. We call it a cane vodka, jokingly. Mm. And then what these companies do is that they'll add a bunch of artificial flavoring, some glycerol, some sugar, and in Kraken's case, they add a lot of color to it to give it that black, uh, that black, you know, squid ink um, mm. quality to it. Uh. And they call it, you know, a blackstrap molasses, or they call it a blackstrap uh, rum, or they call it a black rum which in, in any case, anybody that's a, a rum or a spirits aficionado knows that that actually isn't really a thing. Uh, so what they did there was just tried to uh, actually croissant Actually, I think they were the first to color their rums uh, with black coloring and call it a black strap rum um, just because it, it gave bartenders something kind of fun to play with if they wanted mm-hmm. to create some sort of a, a dark or a black cocktail. And that's what Kraken essentially is. Huh. It is not by any means an artisanal craft rum.
1: Huh. So I I picked up some rum for this podcast and um, I had some rum in our cupboard from like, I don't even know what, probably Mojitos from 12 years ago or something. But yeah. so I have Cardi 151.
2: There's a very good reason that's still gathering dust in your What cabinets. cracks
1: me up is there's a fire warning on the label. I
2: was about to say those are you know, the Bacardi one fifty one, gosh, you guys remember Harry Buffalo parties back in the day. That's about all that was good for. It was really bad hangovers, lots of ethanol. Uh you open that thing up and you're you almost feel hungover almost immediately because <laughs> Basically, they make those on highly industrialized multiple columns where it's just stripped of all of rum's greatness, all the congeners, all the esters. And uh, in those cases, they might age them in barrels for a couple months just to get a little color in there. But all 151 is good for nowadays is lighting things on fire and tiki uh, drinks.
0: <laughs> Literally. It you, you, looks cool.
2: It looks it looks awesome. It's got a great effect. Oh, so it,
1: that's what they put in the lime wheel. Yeah, the wheel. Little lime boats. Yeah, yeah, yep. little lime boats. So typically they'll do, uh,
2: they used to do 151 a lot for that. Now people are getting a little more hip. They'll start to use lemon oils in that case because it burns a lot longer. It's not quite as dangerous and volatile as a, as a Bacardi 151. I don't even believe they still actually make
0: 151. Huh. I'd be surprised. Well, we have a bottle right there. <laughs> Hang on to it. That might be worth something one of these days.
1: But So I. how about Plantation 3 Star?
2: Is that good? Plantation is wonderful. Um, a lot of rum purists, if you will, they're not huge fans of Plantation because the president, uh, Alexander Gabriel, who uh, ors, I've actually met him before. He's awesome. I met him down in New Orleans at Tales of the Cocktail. Very humble dude, knows his stuff, got his start, you know, kind of cut his teeth in the cognac business uh, out there in France. Excuse me. And we're actually going to feature him this year, hopefully this summer. And uh, he's going to give a seminar on Plantation, where it started from a rum brand and where it's going, and plantation got a bad rap among the uh, rum purists because they, even though they were very transparent about it, um, from the pretty much from the get-go, they do add a, what they call in France dosage. If you guys are familiar with uh, champagne, especially in France, they do add a lot of sugar into the uh, the expression before bottling. Um, it's to provide balance. It's to provide. It's kind of the. the as they say in in, in France, especially Alexander Gabriel, he likens it, he likens it to adding salt to a good cut of steak. You don't always do it, but certain cuts of steak call for certain amounts of salt. So, in bottling their rums that were sourced from all over the Caribbean, especially, um, and also central and south america i have i have plantation rums from peru i have them from trinidad i have them from jamaica and they're really well done they're they're excellent they they are good expressions of those origins Mm -hmm. but again the purists hate the fact that plantation could take a rum from those very proud rum producing countries and add sugar to it and then yet still call it a jamaican rum because jamaica Barbados, saint lucia guyana actually guyana they actually do actually uh, traditionally add some sugar to the, some of their rums. But the Jamaicas, the Barbados, they're very proud of their, the art of distillation. Um, they're very crafty about that, and they don't add any uh, adulteration to their rums. So with Plantation Three Star, they're fa- it's fantastic. They created it to uh, be an ideal tool for bartenders to make daiquiris. And it does make a hell of a daiquiri. I do believe that they have uh, some sugar added to it. So I usually tell people, if you're okay with that, just, you know, dial back a little bit on your simple syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, I do use, you know, quite a few plantation rums and other rums that have been given to me that <clears throat> I wouldn't call a sipper by any means, like a Diplomatico exclusiva Reserva. They actually add 40 grams per liter of sugar to that rum before they bottle it. Wow. Um, just because, you know, that's that's a big brand name and they're playing into what they feel the market wants, right? So here in America especially, people love the smoothness of bourbon, right? If you're, not a, if you're not a bourbon connoisseur, you like bourbon because of the smoothness that you think comes from either quality and or the aging from the barrel. So some producers uh, through, you know, in some parts of the world, they traditionally will add sugar to their expressions to give it that kind of smooth glycerol-y uh, mouthfeel. Um, so that's why I always tell people if you're using something that is known to have sugar in it, and that's, <clears throat> again, part of the reason we have ores, is to not only have these events almost monthly, but also to share as much information as possible. And clearly you've, you guys have had access to that and looked mm-hmm. at that, but plantation three stars, great. Mm-hmm. Their five stars, fantastic. It's mainly, I believe it's from Barbados. <clears throat> so a solid representation of, of Barbadian rum but also with a little sugar added as well. But the nice part about plantation is that they are transparent about it. And that's what we always say in oars, you know, love, you know, drink what you love, Mm -hmm. but know what you're drinking. Yeah. That's Uh, good advice. Well, you know, we, as Ohioans, we've been closed out to the spirits game for so long Mm -hmm. because we are a control state. Um, There are those of us that really like you guys, we love going down to uh, the party stores down in Kentucky because we have quite a, they have quite a better selection there uh, than we do here in, uh, Ohio proper. So I like to at least inform people as much as possible because we are at a disadvantage to the New Yorks and the San Franciscos uh, in that sense.
1: Okay. So the daiquiri happens to be one of my all time favorite cocktails. And I didn't know it was. Friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had never had, like, when I thought of daiquiri before I met um, a, a good bartender, I thought it was, uh, it involved a blender and, you know, Indeed. like a slushy. And then when I was introduced to a classic daiquiri, it's it's one of my favorite, all-time favorite cocktails. Although Barb at the Bottle Shop would say there is a place for a blender, and some cocktails have done right, but... I think she's magic. She makes everything taste better. So. She
2: is a rock star. Uh, one of my favorite meetups ever was with Barb and JT over there at uh, Bottle Shop. Yeah, she's amazing. And it was all focused on daiquiris, yeah. believe it or not, coincidentally.
1: Um, so at this point in our program, we usually pause and make a cocktail, but we're not going to do that today. We are going to open this bottle of Plantation that I bought and taste that. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have a sip of some good rum.
2: Looking forward to it. Up
1: spirits. (laughs) And we are back with some Plantation Three Star Rum.
2: Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for coming. I think you're going to be very happy with this purchase. Now that I know you're a daiquiri gal... It does make an excellent one, mm. and again, you can dial back on the simple. However, that much is or very however, sweet. However, yep, oh yeah. And what's nice is I believe it's a blend of three different countries. I want to say Barbados, Trinidad, and maybe a little bit of Jamaica in there.
0: It says on the bottle, and I think you're right.
2: Okay, yeah, that sounds right. We call those we call that the Trinity of the uh, of Caribbean rum, but uh, it's super tasty, and it makes for an amazing daiquiri. And what, that's what's nice about daiquiri, right? It's a perfect balancing act. You can make it as tart or as as sweet as you want. Um, it's funny, you hear in the, uh, in the bartending circles, uh, especially in like the New Yorks and the San Franciscos, the daiquiri test happens to be one of the biggest tests that they will give to uh, aspiring bartenders that are trying to get into, you know, a, a, any of those big, uh, well-known um, bars out there. So... It's fantastic, and this does make it really, it makes for a really nice daiquiri, as does uh, Diplomatico Planus. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned that Diplomatico Exclusiva does have a lot of sugar added to it. Planus does not, and it makes a fantastic uh, classic daiquiri, in my opinion. It still maintains that Latin flair. It's, it's crisp, but it's also very flavorful. But what do you think of this? Can you imagine that pretty doing pretty well in a daiquiri? Oh
1: man, I think it would be delicious. And I, I particularly love the Hemingway daiquiri. Um so I think that would be yeah, it would it would definitely make a, a delicious daiquiri. So I wanna talk more about um what you do with the Ohio Rum Society. You do events at uh different bars, right?
2: Indeed. Yeah. Okay.
1: So how do you choose the bar? Do you do do a little research and development and test them out to see if they have a good rum list or what what do you usually do?
2: It starts off with usually the easiest way to do it is to figure out who has the best rum selections here in town. Um, But it's not just about that. There are several different venues here in town that have expressed interest in working with us, expressed interest in learning more about rum and seeing what they can do to uh, learn more about it. Add to their uh, their own armadas. So, for example, for example, Rebecca Monday, who I've known for a long time, and many of us here in the uh, those of us that love craft cocktails here in town, most of us know Rebecca Monday. And if you don't, get to know her. Yeah. Um, but we're, she and I are working together right now, um, enthusiastically working on a future meetup at Vaso, where she is is uh, doing some amazing work uh, building up their cocktail program uh, up there in Dublin. And they don't necessarily have a massive rum collection, uh, but they're open to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the wonderful part about Rebecca and about uh, the folks that she works with. So it really, it just kind of just happens. You know, what I did recently uh, in planning the rest of 2019 was uh, fire out an email to the bartenders that I do know, the ones that have expressed interest in saying, here are the folks that we are planning to to feature. Here are the the special guests that we're gonna have in town, whether it's the the president of Plantation Rums, uh, the president and founder and key importer of Hamilton Rums, Ed Hamilton, who we had last November. I just mentioned to them, here's what we're doing, here's some of the themes I have in mind. What are you interested in? Do you guys wanna have us back? And which which ideas seem to tickle your fancy? So for example, Sidebar comes from a convoluted yet beautiful uh, Latin American history. And um, they're interested in working with us and exploring Dominican uh, or rums from the Dominican, um, specifically Brugal, which is one of my favorites. Um, But really, it's just—it's very serendipitous. It's really just utilizing, you know, like you guys. It's utilizing my contacts here in town uh, to figure out who wants to work together on what themes, who wants to feature which uh, brands and which uh, special guests. Uh, we had an amazing one, one uh, in September of last year at Denmark in their secret cellar, where we it was plantation, but we also featured a master distiller from Barbados, which was super cool. Oh, nice! We did it seminar style, where a lot of bartenders, uh, local bartenders, came just to uh, to gear up on their you know their arsenal of knowledge right. as well. Um, but right now, you know, I always keep a pretty solid finger on the pulse of what's going on entrepreneurially. Here. From an entrepreneur standpoint here in town, you know, the new restaurants, the new cocktail bars, you know, we just had a new tiki bar open up in Powell uh, called Hooli Hooli that I would I would love to work with them. Um, we have had conversation with Sacred Palm, which is beneath uh, Mikey's Late Night and their newest location there on uh, North High near the uh, convention center. But it really just starts with working with a single bartender and or his or her, uh, his team, their team, and then just going from there. Uh,
1: And and you try to weave in some charity stuff too, right? Absolutely. A lot of environmental
2: stuff. Environmental, social plastic is a big one that I love to contribute to. Um, We've contributed to hurricane relief as well. We've teamed up with, uh, it's called All Hands. They work with Norwegian Cruise Lines to, uh, they helped in the aftermath of the Hurricanes that kick the crap out of Antigua and Puerto Rico, as we all know. So we we like to contribute wherever we can to uh, because that's that's the very that's the very essence of why we exist. You were you know the mission is twofold. Number one, to educate through interaction through socialization. I love how you guys uh, put it when you first started doing the uh, the Bourbon Club, as well as uh the 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 cocktail endeavor which is genius how you guys call it a social experiment lubricated by spirits i think that's genius but the the second part of our mission is again to support uh local establishments to to proudly showcase the creative talent that we have here not only uh, from a business ownership standpoint but also behind the stick i mean we have some incredible rock stars here that are doing incredible things and uh Just like you guys, I feel like ORS is a fantastic way of retaining that talent as much as possible. Because you know, for the longest time, especially in the I work in the tech world. My day job is uh, I work in cybersecurity and emerging tech. I'm a recruiter, actually. I run an independent firm, and for the longest time, I got so tired of seeing us hemorrhage talent. People going to San Francisco, Boston, uh, you know, the bigger cities where things were really truly happening, trends were being set. But it's amazing, you look at it, now I've been here for 12 years and now we're starting to set, set the trends. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible, you know, we have a distiller here in town that um, is putting out the first rum ever produced in Central Ohio uh, in Chad Kessel over at 451.
1: We love Chad.
2: Oh, Chad's, Chad's amazing. So, you know, proudly supporting them. Um, I love tossing business your guys' way. We love supporting 614 Tiki. Again, Rebecca Monday and uh, Greg Burnett. Ray Burnett and his uh, better half, Sarah Rose, are doing some really cool things called Port of Call. Every month they have a different Port of Call. And I believe they're still doing it at Eugene's Canteen. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Eugene's. Yeah. Of course you are. You guys do the, the walking tours.
1: <laughs> it's our job.
2: Absolutely. So um, I just, I really love, it's just a really excellent way to give back to the spirits industry here that have given us so much yeah. joy and so much warmth and welcome. I mean, these are people that I not only consider friends, but... Family that I would welcome him into my home at any time. In fact, I plan to do that at some point, uh, bringing in the the OARS members into our home to literally raid my my rum bar because it's it's gotten to the point where it's outgrown even our new rum bar. So.
0: Careful what you ask for,
2: I know right? <laughs> Hide the really good stuff no, I'm kidding that's well, that's I, why we get it.
1: I will it's, say um, that uh what you've done with the Ohio Rim Society is far more altruistic than what we do with the bourbon Club. I mean, our bourbon club really was founded on greed and lust of for bourbon more than anything <laughs> charitable, so maybe we should uh maybe well, we should yeah. Maybe we yeah, should do I'll a little more that. of that. What do you think? But it's a yeah.
2: wonder—it's a wonderful collaboration <laughs> that you guys do. You guys bring together like-minded individuals, and in fact, I've—I know you guys have so much on your plate right now. But I've been anxiously awaiting, and maybe I should be a little more uh, proactive in my sense. But we really enjoyed that collaboration with the Bourbon oh, yeah. Club
0: because the kindred spirits. Yeah, absolutely, the kindred tasting. spirits. I
2: mean, you know, we're all fans of brown spirits. But the beauty is, here we are. You know, your your listeners can't see it, but we're drinking um, two... Well, one of them is is aged, but these are uh, light. the plantation three star. It's a blend of three different rum or three different rums that some of which, if not all of which, were aged, but then charcoal filtered. That's why you get that beautiful uh, straw color. Mm-hmm. But the pata nubes that I brought to for everybody here to try, it's unaged, it's rested, and the beauty is we're starting to see more of a rise in people being more uh, excited about the unaged, the white spirits, right? right. Uh, so that that's super fun too, but. I think that could be a, a lot of fun, doing another kindred spirit. Oh, yeah, but maybe maybe love that. Maybe showing uh, your, the, the bourbonites, is what I call you guys, uh, maybe showing them what uh, white, white spirits do and, and how much body and character that even white spirits have. And it really obviously lends itself well to the uh, craft of distillation, fermentation, uh, before aging even becomes a part of the equation. I think well, I'm going to
1: rinse my glass out and try this Mexican <clears throat> rum. I've never heard of Mexican rum.
0: Yeah, let's take a little break, and then we'll uh, jump right back in with a different rum.
2: (laughs) Palanube's rum is from the Oaxaca region of Mexico, which is obviously closely associated with Mezcal, uh, another one of those uh, previously unknown uh, agave spirits, right? And now they're having... Uh, the time of their lives, they're really having their time in the sun. So Patanubia's rum was discovered within the last several years. Um, little did people know, but they were actually creating, uh, producing a, uh, a rum out there, 100% sugarcane juice, uh, very much similar to a rum agricole style. Um, but this, I think you guys will find, is so incredibly unique that I think the second that you start to nose it, you're going to see exactly why I worked with Barbara and JT to create a rummy riff on the martini. Ooh, that has a very unique nose. Very, um, what's it, briny, oh, yeah. right? You're getting a yeah, lot of brine, brine, a lot of fruit. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's, that's usually the reaction that you get when you first try this. And truth be told, the first time I tried this, I honestly hated it. And now I've... That's the beauty of rum is it it is so diverse that it literally expands your palate 20-fold. It's incredible. Some of the rums that I was trying several years ago that I did not like, including this one, because I've never been a briny flavor guy. Uh, I've never been a martini guy. I've never... I don't like capers. I've never been much of an olive Mm -hmm. guy either.
1: Ooh, I love all those.
2: Right. But what's amazing, though, is that rums like Pata Nubes and Clarin from Haiti, which is another agricole style that is part of Haiti, um, they're very briny. So they're on the complete opposite side of the spectrum that what most people uh, associate rum with. Most people think rum, they think sweet. Most think people think bourbon, they think sweet. But then when they try a rye or when they try, well, because you know, when you think whiskey, you are thinking. for me as a non-whiskey connoisseur, I uh, certainly appreciate whiskeys. You know, the amazing part about rum is that this, we explore through ores, These rums right here that are on a complete opposite end of a a spectrum that most people, most consumers especially, even bartenders didn't even know existed. And what's amazing now is that Pata Nubes has now made its way onto our shelves here in Ohio. Oh, wow. And um, so far, we've only played with it once at one meetup, and that was with Barbara and uh, JT over there at Bottle Shop. We called it DTO, which stands for Daiquiri Time Out, um, the many faces of daiquiris. And during that, we actually explored different types of daiquiris with different types of rums. We did a clarin daiquiri, which again, clarin is a rum agricole style from Haiti. We did a pot of Nubes and then we also did a, a rummy riff on a martini using the pot of Nubes and a very dry vermouth for that one. And that was a huge hit. I think they sold, I could see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, and they sold a ton of those that day and also gave the option of dirty, dirty or neat, which was cool. Um, but that's the beauty of this. Is again, I mean, you guys right now seeing your reaction? You're like, holy crap! This is cane spirit.
0: So the the nose is very different from the taste.
2: Yes. Does it, it is. make you the,
0: the nose is very briny, as you said. It it has a lot of like um, it's kind of like smelling a uh, an olive jar or something. Absolutely. But as soon as you taste it, it tastes to me more like a. Either a white dog whiskey, an unaged whiskey, or a kind of a funky American gin, American style gin, that it makes has, me want to go. Arr. Yeah, <laughs> not a gin
2: fan.
1: Oh, I love gin. Okay, Arr, that was my pirate. Oh, that was your pirate. Arr. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm not good at I'm not good at impersonations.
2: <laughs>
0: I'd say that Arr, was no. I, I think it's delicious. It's just completely like you said. Totally unexpected. Totally it really unexpected, is
1: good. Right? I, I agree hundred percent. When you smell it, you think, ooh, I'm not gonna like this. And then the taste
0: Well it, it smells almost like it's sweet. A, uh yeah, but it it kind of smells like a overly dirty, dirty martini. Like somebody who just put in way too much olive juice. <laughs> what it, handed. Yeah. And I, yeah. I wouldn't have liked it.
2: That person would probably have a very uh, disheveled pinky, I would imagine. <laughs> but yeah, that's I mean that, that that speaks on behalf of what we in the spirits world love about the production methods Absolutely. out there. It's not just distillation. It's about the fermentation. In this case, I do believe that it is wild yeast, just like with mezcal. Um, they do employ a six-plate copper still. Um, and yes, the, the yeast and the fermentation are wild. It's in uh, pine vats. So... And Haiti does very similar. It's all—it's the most natural, organic production uh, process of of uh, cane spirits in the world. Actually, it's wild yeast. It's uh, very much like this, and that's why I was excited for you guys to try this, in hopes that I would spur your interest in the future to perhaps have me back again, and I can bring some oh, some uh, Haitian clarin. And I think you guys—I think that would blow you guys. Now, brains. how long
0: have they been making this? Oh
2: gosh, that's a good question. I'm I'm not sure the okay. answer on that. At least several years. It's at least been on the map of rum connoisseurs for for a couple of years now. Okay, um, an importing an importer company uh, discovered it. Probably while I think they are actually a mezcal importer, and then they discovered that holy crap, these villages are also making aguardiente, uh, which is uh, which is beloved in, in the Spanish speaking states and uh, they decided wow this is so good this is so unique and it does have a place on every back bar whether you want to do a rummy riff again on, mar- on martinis or mm-hmm. i love the fact that you that you likened it to possibly some gin too so now that you mentioned that that spurs in my mind great you know what we can start exploring i can start working with bartenders to explore um rum alternative or, rum alternative gin drinks yeah
0: the the gin that it reminds me of is actually um the north shore gin out of chicago which is an american style gin that has a lot of black pepper notes to it and i'm getting a lot of pepper out of this bingo but it's not like spicy it's mm-hmm. just that that flavor that lingers and kind of pinches your mm-hmm. tongue at the end like black pepper does but it's not like oh my gosh that's a spicy jalapeno kind of drink it, not at all. I've heard people
2: even mention, you know, pink peppercorns. It's it's amazing yeah, when yeah. you when you start reading. Some of my favorite bloggers are from Europe, and especially when you when you look at the folks that are from uh, England, the associations and how deep they go as far as specifics. Sure, it's it's very reminiscent of you know if you guys have watched uh, the Sam uh, documentaries out there, uh, it reminds me a lot of that and how specific they get. And I've heard people in like liken this to pink peppercorns. Uh, but also, again, that brine. But, you know, you even mentioned, uh, Leanne, you, you mentioned that there's a sweet characteristic as there well. Is. Yeah. And Absolutely. that's, again, that's that's uh, that's it's really... It's balanced. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's a tribute to careful yet wild fermentation. It's a tribute to how they configure and uh, employ their, their six-plate copper. Um, I think it's a copper column, actually. What
1: city is this made in?
2: This is made in Oaxaca.
1: Oaxaca. Yep. So there's a lot of natural yeast in Oaxaca. That's actually there's a lot of natural yeast in Kentucky, which is one of the reasons that it's considered to be one of the best places to make whiskey.
2: Hmm. And also, corn, corn was so ubiquitous and so cheap and easy to grow there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is another thing that I love about whiskey is that it is basically rum. You know, the the, the New World was basically create you know built upon sugar and therefore cane spirits as well. And what's amazing is that once we won the American Revolutionary War, uh, you know, true America started kicking in. We started exploring, we started going across the Appalachians and setting up new, uh, new colonies, new business, right? And you had a lot of Scots and a lot of Irishmen uh, coming. You know, going as far west as they could to set up shop, right? To set up their stills, to set up their farms. And, you know, back then it didn't make sense to try and haul these massive barrels of rum, uh, you know, across the Appalachians. But rather, you know what? Corn is so ubiquitous out here. Let's start to let's start to uh, distill whiskey out of corn because it is absolutely delicious, but it's also cost effective in these regions. So rum essentially passed the, the spirits torch of America to whiskey and therefore made whiskey the first native spirit of of uh, the United States of America whereas to me there's there's a huge argument out there that that rum and cane spirits were the first and the true spirit of 1776 and of the Americas as, of the new world as we know it and then of course whiskey is the the spirit of the United States of America which is cool that's interesting
1: i never knew that so you have something else in your bag
2: I do. This is the crown jewel for you guys. This is unopened. I was actually, this was sitting in my cellar. Wow. Um, I just picked up one of these and also it's younger brother, the 2005. So this beauty for the viewers, um, especially for a lot of bourbonites out there, they're getting more and more familiar. At least they're hearing more about Foursquare Distilling Company down there in Barbados. Um, Barbadian rums traditionally are considered mid-body Uh, They're considered dry, crisp, yet solid bodied in terms of flavor. Uh, They really do a good job. They're craftsmen when it comes to the aging process, but they're also craftsmen when it comes to true blending. Uh, At Foursquare, they have a beautiful pot still, double retort with also column stills as well, I believe two. And what they do is they, they create these beautiful rums out of their pot still, and then beautiful rums out of their column still, and then they blend the two. Actually, I believe, depending on what rum expression they're looking to make, oftentimes they'll age them separately and then blend them and then age them more. Um, in this case, this is the Foursquare Exceptional Cast Series, two, series 2004. Um, this was actually my ground zero in getting introduced into the Foursquare distillery and, and the, the magic that they're making down there in Barbados. Um, a lot of the biggest rum bloggers out there right now, a lot of the biggest rum aficionados were once bourbonites, much like you guys. Um, some of which I, I keep in touch with personally, they, and again, the whole purpose of OARS isn't to convert people to rum drinking. It's really just to open their minds to this massive world that they didn't know that they were missing. Sure. And I, I don't know if you guys saw the article that I posted earlier today about how supply and demand, of course, and you know, how aging is placing a higher premium price tag wise on especially whiskeys, cognacs, um, it's becoming kind of a burden on the common consumer wallet. Well, the beauty of this is, this 2004 was aged 11 years in ex-bourbon casks. It's a blend of pot and column blend, uh, or cotton pot and column still uh, down there in Barbados, aged for the full 11 years in the Caribbean climate, which is roughly three to four times faster than aging in Kentucky or parts of Scotland or parts of France. So in terms of value, it's incredible. This only cost me, I think, about $60 retail. Oh, wow. Um, so I brought this here because, again, this exact, this exact expression, this 2004, which um, it's, it's about to sell out, actually, is essentially what is getting a lot of uh, – it's getting the attention of many bourbon drinkers, uh, especially here in the U.S., and it's starting to help create more of a ripple effect in the U.S., which, as we all know, you know the, the market here for rum is still very – volatile, it's still very questionable, but because of rums like this and many others from many other different rum-producing countries out there, it's creating a ripple effect. And again, the whole point of oars is to create an access point so people can learn more about them. So, you know, the bourbon heads and the the tequila folks can come here and be like, hey, you know, I really want to expand my my palate, I want to expand my arsenal in my home bar, or if you're a professional bartender, I want to expand my, my arsenal in my back bar. Um, Introduce me to these things, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I brought this. Again, Foursquare Rum Distillery, 2004 single blended rum.
1: Where it says uh, foolproof, is that another way to say, like whiskey would say, cast strength? Does that yep. mean it hasn't been watered down at all? Absolutely. Okay. So this is 59%. This, okay.
2: So again, another reason why the proof. true bourbon fans love a lot of these cast strength series coming out of Foursquare. Um, Jamaica is producing a lot of them out of Hampton Estate and Worthy uh, Worthy Park. Two legendary distilleries there in Jamaica. I could go on and on about uh, the distilleries and, and the ones that are really creating um, a lot of a lot of vocalization in the spirits world. But I think you guys are going to really really dig this. Well, while um, you're opening
1: that, or we can have you can have Blair open that if you like. Um, tell us more about uh, your meetups with the uh, oars.
2: And that's the wonderful part, you know, and hence the reason I would, I've enjoyed this experience with you guys so much. And I, I really look forward to hopefully coming back and talking more about cane spirits and trying uh, more different ones uh, that you guys, again, that w- I think I would love to see those same reactions oh, we that love I drinking. got out of you guys twice <laughs> just now. Um, but the amazing thing is there's so much to talk about, so much to explore. And in that same spirit, the Ohio Rome Society now, we're two and a half years in, Uh, We'll be celebrating our third anniversary in August of this year. And in doing such, we just had our 28th meetup. We call it Chapter 28, and that was actually at 451 Distillery, uh, or 451 Spirits, rather, with Chad Kessler as our first ever on-site at a distillery. Uh, We saw an active fermentation. We got to taste it. Um, But that was number 28, and that was actually at our 12th unique venue so far just here in Central Ohio. Uh, So that's that's. Something that we pride ourselves in, and there's so many more to explore. I mean, I'm in talks with Vaso. Hopefully, we'll be exploring uh, meetups at Huli Huli and Sacred Palm here soon. Um, I love what you guys did at uh, the Soul at the Joseph. I, it, I think I saw quite a few rums on their back bar as well. Um, but that's the beauty of rum again is that I don't see any any end in sight. The beauty is, I dove into this in November of 2012, and uh, I'm still learning on a daily mm-hmm. basis. I'm nowhere near expert level, um, nor do I want to be. I want to keep learning, and that's the beauty of, of rum is that with it being such a global spirit, uh, you know, new rums pop up every day. One of the biggest ones right now that, as an example, is, uh, is a rum that is being distilled out of a distillery called MOBA down in South Africa, and it is kicking ass in terms of ester levels, uh, the folks that love that funk, that uniqueness, uh, like the folks that love Petey, you know, the folks that love like mm-hmm. Lefroy's, right? That's not for everybody. Um, and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right at this point. But, uh, you know, the conversation is everlasting. It's going to continue to evolve. And that's why we're so excited with ORS, is that as we continue to grow, we have 55 annual members and we have over 450 uh, Ohio-based members across the state right now that are Continuing to join the conversation, ask asking questions, sharing recipes, sharing articles. But what's cool is that we're starting to now get people traveling to Central Ohio just to come to meetups. Oh, that's awesome. wonderful! And they'll, they'll 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 post up in hotels, which is really neat. And I do want to also add, from a membership standpoint, again, I do welcome those to come as guests and just pay the ten dollars and. I welcome you to think about it. Uh, if you'd like, if you feel like you got the value out of it, that, that uh, I that I promise you, that ten. If you do, become if you decide to become an annual member, I will put that ten dollars towards your annual membership. So, uh, so you just pay you the go. difference.
1: So I still want to collaborate with you
2: on a rum board game, but
1: will you be mad if I include pirates and ships and like pots of gold and stuff?
2: Absolutely not. <laughs> not as long as you diversify. If there's a, if there's an end to that where uh you know you you see some uh gentlemen in tuxedos drinking rum i'm 100 all right i'll do that i'll fit that in somewhere. i'll have to show you some old advertisements from the the heyday of rum the last time rum had a renaissance was during and shortly after prohibition and right after also of course Mm -hmm. with the tiki surge after world war ii i should show you guys some of the old advertisements of how they used to advertise rum Um, because the beauty of the prohibition was that people started going down to what they called America's Backyard Tavern, Cuba. Mm. And the the Latin style, the Latin swagger to that, they gave new life. They breathed new life into the image of rum by making it more of a gentleman's drink again, a Mm. a classy ladies and gentlemen drink, uh, which was super cool. And that's, again, what what I try to do is I try to enlighten people to the newer image of cane spirits nowadays. Because, uh, you know, when I was interviewed for Six One Four magazine, they they insisted that we do the photo shoot, which I didn't want to do in in general. But they insisted that we do it at Grass Skirt, and while I would have loved to, because Grass Skirt is where we had our first meetup, their family, I love Carmen over there. I know you guys featured her here. I consider her sister from another mister, but. I insisted on doing it elsewhere. We ended up doing it in Denmark just to show people, again, it's not about just tiki. It's not just about mm-hmm. pirates. Um, it is just as classy and, and stands up on its own right up there with the cognacs and the whiskeys.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. I'm a convert.
2: I would love to collaborate with you guys on that. I think that would be so fun. And I love what you guys did with the uh, the bourbon run. thought that was super cool. And I think it could be fun to do a cane spirits. It would be for
1: sure. Let's get What's on that. Next? All right. Tell us about how people can become a member of the Ohio Rum Society.
2: Super simple. There are two ways to do it. So you know, when we started, or when I started Oars back in August of 2016, it was really just an outlet. I was driving my wife crazy with this passion, and not to mention with uh, taking up not one but two bars in our uh, back then. It was a very small uh, ranch style, you know, standalone condo. She was like, "Honey, you really need to find an outlet for this passion. You need to share it with." with uh, folks here in the city um, so I started it as a Facebook group ideally you know those of us that love spirits and cocktails as much as those of us in this room you know in an ideal world right bartending and opening up a bar would be easy as pie but we all know it's one of the hardest if not the hardest things to do uh, right. and survive right? right so ideally you know I have dreams of starting a colonial era tavern that focuses not only on rums but also local spirits and a couple other fat, you know, a couple other concepts from Europe. But uh, the next idea, you know, the next viable, the the most reasonable option, um, next best option, if you will, is to start a Facebook group. Uh, it started off again with five to ten uh, friends and family, basically, that I kind of forced into it because I said, "Hey, this is a hobby that I've been diving into now for several years." But to answer your question, people can go to our Facebook group. I usually welcome people to the Facebook group. You can join by answering three very simple questions. Uh, whenever you ask to join, you answer the questions. And that tells me that you're, you're joining for a reason. It tells me a little bit about you so that I can introduce myself when you do make it to a future meetup. Um, but I always welcome people to join the Facebook group first to look at our past events. There is a tab on Facebook groups now where you can look at past and upcoming events. But I always welcome people that are curious to look at our past events and see how creative we get, see the different themes that we explore the featured guests that we bring into town from out of state and sometimes out of country. Um, look at those things and then also start diving into, I mean, it's a repository of information, um, whether, it's, you know, whether it's me or other rum members uh, sharing different rum articles from around the world, or if they're sharing their own personal recipes. For example, I did an, my own riff uh, on a sidecar that features a cane spirit. Um, a lot of us like to share our home cocktail recipes Uh, And same with professional bartenders as well. So I welcome one and all to come to the uh, the Ohio Rum Society group page. It's the group, not the business page uh, on Facebook. And just explore. See if it's something that, if these are the types of people that you really want to mingle with and and learn from. And then you can, you know, I welcome anybody to come to meetups. Um, People can come to meetups with one of two options. One, you can pay a $10 guest fee. Or number two, you can join as an annual ORS member, and that's $50 a year. And it renews every it renews twelve months from the day that you join. Um, I usually tell people, you know come for a meetup, pay ten bucks, and then give it some thought if you really enjoyed it, if you felt that you got the wealth of knowledge that we set out to to offer to folks, not to mention all the rums you get to taste and the the fellow craft cocktail uh, folks that you get to meet and be that's a huge bargain absolutely and and, and that's you know that's essentially as I've told you before, and, and I want to make it clear to the listeners as well, that, that Leanne and, and, and Blair were two huge inspirations and very helpful in me in giving me the confidence to get this off the, off the ground. But we keep it at an affordable $50 because, for the same reason that makes rum so beautiful is that it is very affordable. Uh, you know, there's a 12 year old rum right out there right now um, that's available on Ohio shelves, it's $35. It's aged for all 12 of its years in Jamaica. And uh, it's only 35 bucks. So we try and do that same exact, uh, in that same exact spirit, we want to be as accessible and affordable as possible so that people aren't worried about the money aspect of it, but they can just be excited to meet new people. That's great. And, uh, you know, whether they're, you know, again, if they're, we have a lot of people that love craft cocktails that join mm-hmm. for that reason. Yeah. We have a lot of people that are huge fans of, of brown spirits, whether it's aged cognacs or aged whiskeys, that are just like i just want to try something new mm-hmm. or we've been getting a lot of uh, agave spirits folks here recently um because they learned about they've heard through the grapevine that i love uh, agricole style spirits i love unaged spirits too because you really get the essence of the production oftentimes with the geographic origin as well um, and cheers to you guys on this i think you guys are really cheers. really going to enjoy this you're welcome
0: oh wow i'm
2: waiting Mm. in anxious anticipation
1: that is delicious
2: and the one that i was going to bring was actually uh double matured um was called dominus it's also from foursquare they age it uh, it's a 12 year old they age it uh partially in ex-bourbon and partially in ex-cognac and then they blend the two um that's a beautiful expression and it's actually a bottle that's signed by the the master blender and distiller richard seal himself who's a huge voice in the rum community right now but um i I opted on this one just because i hadn't opened it yet and i i felt that no no greater opportunity than now to open it with with two folks that uh, i consider friends of mine longtime friends of mine that we all have a mutual affinity for not only spirits not only craft cocktails but also you know the the wonderful bartenders that we all call friends absolutely in the city and in the surrounding regions absolutely I, i know you guys enjoy traveling to louisville I don't know if you guys have been to Lexington. That's an amazing uh, little city down there, too. Mm-hmm. But um, I felt that if I was going to share this with anybody, it, was, it, it meant, made a lot of sense to share it with well, you Well, thank guys. you. It's,
0: it's absolutely delicious. I it, really like it. It
1: makes me want to smoke a cigar and sit on a beach. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? It, like, transports you to a beach for some reason. I don't know. Is it just me or am I just longing for a beach? But it's like...
2: I think we, uh, after this Ohio winter, which we all knew we were in for this (laughs) at some point, I think we're all longing for patio weather and beaches at this point. But that is the beauty of rum is that there's no right or wrong way to enjoy it. Uh, There's no right or wrong uh, way or, or, excuse me, no right or wrong occasion or season to drink it. Uh, you know, again, that when it, when we talked about earlier how I've been quoted as saying it is one of the most underappreciated and misunderstood spirits, by that I meant a lot of the fact that it has this image problem where people think pirates, beaches, boat drinks, blenders—you know, those those words that tend to make me kind of shiver—not because I hate the association, but because it makes me sad that people are missing out on so many great spirits mm-hmm. and so many different ways to imbibe them. And the beauty of this is, I mean, I would be just as happy Fireside later tonight drinking this oh, yeah. um, with my, you know, with our German Shepherd puppy and my wife uh, as I would be as well on a patio drinking, yeah. you know, smoking a cigar on our, our screened in porch uh, with, you know, the woods as a backdrop. You yeah. know what I mean? There's no right. It's amazing because rum knows no season. It knows no connoisseur. It knows no occasion or, or backdrop. It's, it's, it's amazing in that sense that you can really enjoy it anytime, anywhere.
1: It's really delicious. And we're honored that you chose to open this bottle with us. It's really wonderful.
2: It is absolutely my pleasure. So the other thing that I brought for you guys as well, uh, this is a book, uh, this it's called Rum Curious. It's written by Fred Minnick. Are you guys familiar with the author Fred Minnick? He's very well known in the bourbon circles. He is a bourbonite. He's written, uh, at least one other, if not several books on the Mm -hmm. topic of bourbon. And this guy, um, Ever since being introduced, and unfortunately, guys, I don't have 700 bucks laying around, but uh, what turned him on to rum and what made him a huge fan of rum and therefore cane or rum curious uh, was the fact that he actually got turned on to Foursquare 2006, which if you ever do a Google search for finding Foursquare's 2006 blended rum on the, on the aftermarket, it's so expensive, but that's essentially what has turned a lot of uh, bourbonites into rum fans as well. Um, and Fred Minnick tells his story in this book, but he also shares, from a very unbiased standpoint, why if you're if you're a true connoisseur of whiskey or a true fan of agave spirits or any spirits in general, cognac, you know agave spirits, any type of whiskey, or even if you just love wine and you want to learn more about origins of spirits, like a fresh pressed cane juice uh, based raw material rum. Um, Fred Minnick does an excellent job of making a strong case for that, so I would love to oh, that's uh, lend this to you guys uh, because I think you that's guys would awesome. enjoy it, and I think it'll it'll shed some additional light and give you guys a better idea as to what uh, kind of led me down the rabbit hole several years ago.
1: Wonderful,
0: yeah. Thank you. We Thanks love, for
1: sharing. We love to welcome. read about spirits. It's our it's our favorite subject. One of my favorite
2: photos uh, that you guys have ever taken was that photo of you uh, uh, reading in Vibe Upside Down. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A lot of people didn't get the joke. I got it and I loved it. I thought it was perfect. I appreciate that. that.
1: Well, Chad, thanks so much for coming and thanks for being uh, part of our podcast. I know it was you
0: have a very packed schedule. And thanks for doing what you do here in town. Yes.
2: Well, thank you guys for the inspirations. I mean, you guys are... Such a creative force, especially together and individually. I love we we in the spirits industry love seeing what you guys are doing as well. But thank you, uh, on a personal note, to me for uh, your guys's inspiration. Uh, thanks for meeting with me that on that awesome day there at Blind Lady Tavern, telling me about your guys's endeavors and and basically making me feel like hey, take take your passion, throw it through a creative outlet, and have some fun with it because that's the best way to. Not only edu- you know, there's 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 a lot to be said through, you know, the, the fulfillment of educating people on something that, even though I have no skin in the game, I'm not a distiller, I'm right. not a bartender, but it's amazing to say that, hey, I've helped put certain bar, you know, Oars has helped put certain bars on the map, much like you guys have right. done with the uh, with the cocktail tours. Uh, so you guys have been a huge inspiration for that. So, uh, so cheers. Okay,
1: yeah, cheers. Well, thank you again, and so. Let's see, a little bit of business before we leave. Um, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Tell your friends to listen to our podcast, please. Rate us and review us. Um, thank you to Greg Hansberry, our wonderful producer. And thank you to the biographer for our original music. Be sure to check out our website at ColumbusCraftCocktailTour.com for all of our events, all the things we've got going on, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at, what is that? I always
0: forget. C bus Craft Cocktail Tour. Yeah, okay.
1: (laughs) All right. And Blair?
0: Yeah, always remember to drink responsibly, tip appropriately, and always be cocktail curious. Cheers. 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 Cheers.